that big red button is the most important button ever. Okay. We are now recording. Great. So everything you learnt there, we're just going to do that whole thing again <laughs> and pretend you haven't heard anything. Oh yep. my goodness, Kerry. Did we just put up an episode today? We sure did. See? Like, breaking news. Breaking news. So that's what we did today. And then uh, we've got episode three. It's also recorded. That's by Anne Bori. This is episode two. So we're, we've actually got a script. And it's definitely a different aspect of um, St. Bridget. I guess this is a kind of almost the launching of the boat. Kind yeah. Of thing. This is a kind of boat launch kind of pirate boat launch you can there's tell probably me, a word for that but i don't know what it is probably a fantastic word for that but we does don't anyone know Yeah, I think you guys have all been very patient, so I think we might just crack on and get into things. So I, this is your kind of wee look about this. We usually do this ourselves, so you're actually going to see us doing what we do. Yeah, okay. at work. Yes, at our craft. Oh. Podcasting is a craft, I promise. Absolutely. All right, go. So, hi everybody, and welcome. <coughs> Season two of the Celtic Tales Chronicles is going to be opening with a deep dive into Ireland's women pirates. More on that later. Today just so happens to be the 1st of February, which is St. Bridget's Day. So Rab thought it would be interesting to see if we could make a connection between St. Bridget and these women pirates. Okay, so this is going to take some imagination and some cognitive leaps. But and by cognitive leaps, he means lying through your teeth. <laughs> okay, yeah. But bear with us, we're going to figure it out. But before we do that, we are just going to give you some background to the various wild things celebrated today. So today is Imbolc, the pagan festival associated with the pagan goddess Bridget and the Christian saint Bridget. Imbolc also heralds, heralds the start of spring and is associated with the start of the lambing season. And the goddess Bridget is the matron deity of poetry, healing and working metal. These are all very practical things because you need metal to make pots to cook and blades to cut crops. You need to be able to heal people if they're sick or if they trip over a pot while carrying a blade. And you need poetry to reflect and relax and turn the experience of tripping over a pot while carrying a blade into an epic tale of overcoming adversity. Cue me doing a completely improv rap song. <laughs> no. That's um, on the Patreon. That's, that's, yeah. um, meanwhile, St. Bridget is an entirely different being according to Christian tradition. It's just that she also happens to be the patron saint of poetry, healing and metalwork. Totally unrelated. <laughs> totally unrelated. And this has led to the baseless rumour that the Christians just co-opted a revered pagan deity and brought her into their pantheon. And this is part of the wonderful thing about saints and divinities. They're revered for a reason, and even as faith and society changes, the need for these beings and for religion remains as strong as ever. So saints, spirits, 
and gods change and mutate, but they remain. And one of the finest examples of the power and constant relevance of St. Bridget was that she was absorbed into the voodoo faith in the 17th and 18th century. Yeah, so we're going to have a look at that. So, uh, and the crucible of the voodoo faith was Haiti. And Haiti is crucial to the story of pirates, as you'll hear in some of the episodes. And the Haitian Revolution was one of the most consequential revolutions of the 18th century. And it's at least as important as the French Revolution and the American War of Independence. So, hold on to your pirate hats and your Bridget Crosses and, yeah, dive into it. Yeah, and for anyone who doesn't know, this is a Bridget's Cross. It's made out of rushes. I spent all day at the river, not all day, I spent like an hour at the river today looking for rushes to make these. And if anybody wants to take them home with them, feel free. It's great to have them above your doorway. It's good luck. And if you throw them just the right way, it can <laughs> stick out of somebody's face and kill one. Exactly. Yeah. No responsibility on us for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the Americas and the Caribbean, European empires of Britain, Spain and France <laughs> were all competing for wealth and power at this time. And as we know, that wealth and power was built on slavery. Big boo. Yeah. Big boo. Slavery's, slavery involved the use of enslaved people working on plantations to create wealth for the owners of those plantations. Yeah, but by work we don't mean a 9 to 5 job with paternity leave and health insurance. What the planters did was work enslaved people to the very brink of destruction, very little food, and when they did die, as they did, they simply brought a new batch of enslaved people. It was, yeah, it was brutal. And we have spoken about this process in previous episodes, how Christianity was used as a tool to oppress and control enslaved people. And this was also the case in Haiti, which was under French control. On arrival, enslaved people were all baptised into the Catholic faith and ordered to give up their own religious beliefs. Yes, and punishment for practising your own faith uh, included torture and execution. But of course... Enslaved people were not just slaves, they were human beings, and human beings have an incredible capacity for refusing to be destroyed. So enslaved people escaped, they rebelled, and they somehow managed to keep their beliefs. In Haiti, the majority of the enslaved people came from the countries that we now know as Benin, Nigeria, Northern Angola, and West Congo. These people had their own incredible belief systems with one great divinity and thousands of lesser divinities, who watched over everything from the local well, the household hearth, to that tree up the road beside Tesco. Everything. And what I found interesting when we were digging into this was how similar this this belief system is to European faiths, in particular Catholicism, um, where there are thousands of saints watching over everything. And I was looking into it, there is not a patron saint of podcasting yet, but there is a one of writers and (laughs) <laughs> there may be one soon. Um, Kerry, you can be that patron saint. So uh, there is one of writers and journalists. And these West African religious practices also reminded me of the Greco-Roman beliefs, where they had divine beings for everything, and absolutely everything. Yeah. But the curious thing is, the men who ran these so-called great empires in Europe could celebrate Christian practices, they could admire classical beliefs, but when they encountered the civilizations of West Africa, they refused to acknowledge any of these parallels and they just treated people like disposable livestock. Yeah. The fact that enslaved people already had their own rich, dynamic, complex beliefs 
was irrelevant to these colonists. Um, these beliefs were a threat to them, so it was important for plantation owners to destroy those belief systems. But as we know, human beings refused to give up that easily. Instead, these enslaved people began to hide their rituals and religion beneath a veneer of Catholic practice, and this eventually became the faith we now know as voodoo. So voodoo was, and is, an incredible grassroots intellectual endeavour that spread across the Caribbean, and all manners of saints and practices were absorbed as enslaved people engaged with each other and those around them, including free black people and impoverished whites. And it was also a religion of rebellion. One famous male voodoo priest was Francois Mackendal, and I apologise to any French people in the room. Fra <laughs> Excuse me. Francois was a resistance... Frankie. <laughs> yeah, Frankie. Yeah. yeah, it was a resistance leader as well as a religious figure. He organised enslaved Haitians and pre prepared for an uprising. The story of his early life, while uncertain, we know that he was clearly a scholar of some sort. He could speak Arabic, and when tortured by the French, he spoke the Shahada, the Islamic Declaration of Faith. Having captured him in 1758, the French used him to set an example by burning him at the stake in front of other enslaved men, women and children. Yeah, and when we post this up, there'll be lots of little links in the episode notes, so you can go and check it out yourself. Um, so, of course, killing him absolutely failed. You know, I mean, he was killed... And when the French looked at the fire, they saw the end of a dangerous man. But when the enslaved people looked at the fire, they saw something very different. They saw the billowing gusts of smoke transform into the wings of a great beast that flew their leader to safety and into legend. You can destroy someone's body, but it's much, much harder to destroy an idea. And this idea was an end to slavery, an end to French rule which decades later would be achieved in Haiti after a long and very bloody rebellion. Now, into this faith system was absorbed a saint we all know as Saint Bridget. In voodoo, she is called, and my apologies if I get this pronunciation wrong, Maman Brigitte. It is uncertain how she became part of the voodoo pantheon. Um, she may have come from the Portuguese who also revere Saint Bridget, but it's more likely she came from... The Irish. So like everywhere in the world, there were plenty of Irish people in the Caribbean at this time. Some were indentured labourers, others worked on slave ships, and many of these sailors who did work on slave ships fled, not because they were horrified by the sight of other human beings in chains, but because disease was rampant on these ships. And many of these sailors ended up fleeing to the pirates, as did many enslaved people. And so you get this brilliant mixing of all these kind of desperate people on the run from various things, but it just that mixing doesn't just happen on the pirate ships. And again, listen to episode one in the next episode. There was a number of ports that were safe havens for all these desperados, including Port Royal and Nassau, Nassau, and then off the northern coast of Haiti, there was an island called Tortuga, which was also a pirate haven. And from there, pirates could launch attacks on Spanish-controlled territories of Florida and Puerto Rico. So somewhere in the middle of all of this, St. Bridget, metaphorically, travelled to the Caribbean. Curiously, while Maman Brigitte is believed to have come from St. Bridget, she does also 
sort of resemble another Irish divine being in Irish and Scottish folklore, we have the Kalia. In oh sorry, <laughs> see this is the first mistake. This is great yeah. because we've Behind actually the practiced the mistake. We did this. We said we made a mistake here. Yeah, definitely go. So in Irish and Scottish folklore, Bridget and the Kalia are often closely associated. Bridget is new life and springtime, while the Kalia is winter and death. In Voodoo, Maman Brigitte is associated with death, but also on the flip side with healing. Yeah, her primary function is to make sure that the end of one's life is a good ending and that one passes over peacefully. But she can also help people recover from wounds if it's not their time to pass over yet. And I think it's just a lovely thing about Maman Brigitte and the Kaliak is that they show death as an important part of the cycle of life. It's not something to fear or to deny or to hide away. And there's a great article in the New York Latin Culture magazine called Celebrate Maman Brigitte, the Haitian Loa of Death and Life, which we're going to link in the episode notes if anyone is interested. I want to read out a quote of, or a quote from the article describing Maman Brigitte. She takes care of death, cemeteries and graves. She drinks rum with hot peppers. She swears a lot and is symbolised by a black rooster. Which sounds pretty cool. <laughs> it sounds like my granny that I tell stories about. I, I, my aim in life is to get to a point where I drink rum with hot peppers and hang out with black roosters as well. Yeah. And I will be hanging out in graves and having fun. Anyway, I think what we're trying to say, because I'm going off on a tangent, what, I'm trying, what we're trying to say is that what we're trying to say is that St. Bridget, in some form, Christian saint, Celtic goddess, or voodoo mother spirit, would have been on the pirate ships that sailed and battled across the Caribbean. And speaking of pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> who did we discover was sailing the Caribbean in the distant past, Rob? We discover, as we look about with our telescope, we look and we find, oh my goodness, it's an Irish woman by the name of Anne Bonny. And she was well known for dressing up like a man and taking to the high seas and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Girl boss. And sincere thanks to head librarian Caroline, who's the person who introduced me to the story of Anne Bonny when I met with her last year to talk about Granny Whale. Met with Caroline, not with Anne Bonny. Her thesis was a wonderful resource in researching for this episode, and it was just a great read as well. It was very fun. Is there a copy of that thesis anywhere? There might be the one I've been carrying around for like okay. two weeks. Okay, hats off to Caroline. And, uh, yeah, thank you, Caroline. Um, what is the story with Anne? So we're going to take a deep dive into Anne's life in episode three of this season and her relationship with fellow woman pirate Mary Reed. For now, I'd like to talk about how Anne may have chosen a life of piracy as a way of ensuring her own freedom and autonomy. Yeah, basically, and this is like the early 18th century, not the best time to be a woman. No. Understatement. <laughs> okay. So if heading offshore sort of ensured you'd have almost equal treatment to your male counterparts, it's sort of a no-brainer. Yeah. I think we'd all do the same thing. Um, so we have been discussing these two pirates. In episode one, we're doing Grogna Whale, and then episode three, we're doing Anne. And so these two famous... Irish pirates, 
But both of them pursued piracy for very different reasons and wanted a life of freedom, whereas Gronya, she was basically born into a life of piracy and trading. And for those who don't know, the Gronya were referred to as Gronya Whale, which is also known as Ireland's Pirate Queen. And after this, if you want more information on her, the first episode of the podcast, which, once again, plugging it, dropped today. It's on all your favourite platforms. Feel free to give it a listen if you want more information. Yeah, definitely. Um, kind of, there's a nice story about her. Basically, when she was a girl, she wanted a wee girl. She wanted to sail with her father um, when he was off the new sea thing. And he said, no way, he said. Talk to the hand, he said. Um, because, he said, your long hair would get caught in the ship's ropes. That's, that was his excuse. Which is obviously As a opposed to nightmare. You could just tie it up or something. I don't know what else. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's one of those things where you just tell your child a made-up reason and the child believes it well into adulthood and then one day you're like, I've never thought about that before. And then you're like, that was a lie. And you say it to your parents and they're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not yeah. speaking from experience. Yeah. Santa Claus was not sailing that ship. No. What the hell? Okay. Okay, so she cut off her hair, like the bad bitch that she was, and he brought her to sea. And there are several versions of this story, but they all end up with Grania nicknamed Grania Whale. That's the Irish word M H A O L, which basically translates to bald Grania or cropped hair Grania. Yeah, and I'm sure when she was out in the Atlantic. After this image of her with her, her bald head freezing, because usually the picture of her, she's got big wavy red hair, and she's got the low cut bodice. And you know what? Fine, Grant, I'm great. I'm all, I'm all for big red hair. I'm all for low cut bodices. At some point in my life, I'm going to go there myself. It's going to be fantastic. But I look at those pictures, mm. and I think about her with the bald head, or the big hair, or whatever, with low bodice, and I think, do you know what, Hen? Put on a woolly vest. And just wrap up. I've gone off that tangent, but I've been thinking about she this. She was probably freezing. She would be freezing. Yeah. yeah. In Glasgow, say, put your simit on. I'm just saying, I'm an African one, but I'm just saying. I hope she had a hat. That's what we're getting to. I hope she's a hat and a scarf. Gloves. Gloves. Yeah. iPod. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're off script there, so anyway, the records that we know of do not mention the iPod or the lack of hair. Or no. the hat, okay. But Over to you. we're just going to believe it anyway. Yeah, so, Anya and Grania, Anya, Anne and Grania faced totally different societies while Anne was Irish. Mm-hmm. She grew up in Carolina in the US, Grania was in Ireland, and Brehon Law, which prevailed over most of Ireland in the 16th century, viewed women as independent and intelligent beings rather than the dependence of their husbands, basically an extra child. Yeah. Which is a whole other kettle of fish that we don't need to unpack right now. Yeah, yeah. Kettle of fish. Yeah. Um, so Gronya, so now she begins going out to sea as a bald-headed child. And when she's out there, apart from freezing, she's learning things. She's learning the craft of, you know, of being a sailor. She's learning about... Uh, trading, diplomacy, negotiating. She's learned how to manage crews. From when she's wee, she's learning all this stuff. So piracy provides Gronya with a way to support herself and her clan as legit trading was stopped in Gobi City. You hear that in the episode. Uh, as Irish traders were not allowed to sell there. 
And Irish women's rights in the centuries following, as the English took control of the land here, they enforced English common law and stripped away women's property and rights. So women actually had more rights in Ireland in the 16th century than they did in the 18th century. Or parts of the 20th century. Or parts of the 20th century, arguably, yeah. 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 Uh, Whereas Anne was in Carolina, USA, as a British colony, I'm just going to go boo to that as well. Boo to British colonies. Uh, The people of Carolina, they would have adhered to these English laws and customs. So colonists had very little interest interest in educating girls, as they would not grow up to positions of power anyway. Wow, there's the pirates going by now, this is great. This um, is what it was like to record outside as well, there was a lot of seagulls. There was a lot of seagulls, yeah. The women who had most freedom in the colony were widows and spinsters, and Anne was neither. Even pirates at this time did succumb to the old-fashioned notion that a woman is a domestic creature, so therefore it's no wonder that Anne was never captain, merely fellow pirate on a ship full of men. Maybe she was allowed to be there, but being in charge would have been a step too far. Anne was an intelligent and adventurous woman seeking an exciting life, but in history she's been reduced to someone who followed her lover to sea dressed as a man. That's it. You'll hear more about that in episode three. Three. Yeah. But in contrast to Anne's story, uh, Gronya did not disguise herself as a man to lead her crew. And even if she did cut her hair to be allowed to sail, the record does not show that she stayed bald for her whole life. She got big hair again. Gronje was a fiercely feminine captain, never allowing her husbands on the ships, and therefore she ensured that she would be seen only as captain and not as a man subordinate. And go and listen to the episode. It is mind-blowing. And Gronje also came from a place that had a long history of powerful women, whereas Anne grew up in a newly established colony with strong patriarchal values. So it makes sense that both these women, like all of us, were products of the place and time in which they grew up. However, <laughs> excuse me. However one thing they do have... I'm allergic to misogyny. Um, <laughs> however, one thing they do have in common is the fact that they've both been erased from history in different degrees. In different ways, yeah. I mean, both... They're the, the both... Their choices become pirates refutes the idea that women are naturally domestic and therefore can only be mothers, homemakers and subordinates. Despite many records, and there are many records of birth at sea, historians stubbornly deny that women were at sea, okay? Which makes you wonder where the babies came from. Storks, Storks. albatrosses, flying about, dropping babies all over these ships. Because I remember saying there is no woman here, and the history, which was written by men, definitely says there is no woman here. Lots of storks, no woman. Yep. Yeah. In line with this, I do want to share a quote from Caroline's thesis that I found very powerful. Um, this is not the quote, this is me. It's our job as historians and podcasters to share these forgotten stories of women, but it's also all of your jobs as well. So now this is the quote. It is not enough to know that these women existed and exist. The information must be passed on to our families, our friends, our children and grandchildren. To move a mountain, one begins by taking away the small stones. End quote. Yeah, that's, that's a great quote. Great quote. Yeah, I love that quote. Uh, 
Yeah, it's definitely the role of everybody to share stories, um, and particularly today, stories of women, real, half real, uh, mainly myth, totally myth, just to get those stories out. And the representation really does matter, because if I hadn't learned about Granny Whale in primary school, we probably wouldn't have done this mini-series on piracy at all, because I wouldn't have sort of had her in the back of my mind for the last number of years. Um, she was such a big figure in Irish history and mythology in my mind, and I knew when we started this podcast series that I did want to focus on her at some point. Yeah, so go and listen to that again. It's dropped now. Go listen to it. Um, <laughs> I, I guess compared to Anne Gronya Whale, she's kind of more in line with Saint Bridget. You know, she's someone who's a real person. She's lived. She's died, but there's a sort of pers a cult of personality around. That's what I'm going to say. But there's definitely things. A whole, yeah, there's a whole kind of belief system and ideas have come from a real person. She's like one of those historical figures who almost become mythological even in the moment they're alive. And I'm thinking of Jesus, Che Guevara, all those kind of things. They become mythological. Mm. And I think, to be fair, in Irish primary schools, don't know if anyone can vouch for this, mythology is taught way more like history because I was as sure that the Fianna had existed as I was that the flight of the Earls had happened. And I also believed until probably I was way too old that St. Patrick was the reason all the snakes left Ireland. Okay, I'm just going to clarify. Clarif clarification one, he is. Just to clarify, he mm -hmm. absolutely is. Yeah. And also, when Pat St. Patrick was going up Crow Patrick, mm -hmm. I'm going off script again, but those guys out there are going off script as well. <laughs> if you can't hear it on the recording, there's lots of hooting and stuff going on. It's wonderful. St. Patrick, he got rid of all the snakes. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is true. <laughs> and there's St. Patrick now. He's tooting saying this is absolutely everybody's true. Oh, no. no, he's tooting. He doesn't want you to know this. He got rid of the snakes. Yeah. He got rid of them and said, snakes. That's what he Get said. He said, toot, toot, off you go. So you get rid of the snakes, and do you know what? Folk were unimpressed. Folk, if you look at the folklore, folk were like, we didn't care about the snakes. We could see them. the snakes, they're bloody big things. We could get rid of We don't want the snakes. What we hate is the the clegs, the horseflies. Oh. We want rid of the horseflies. And, uh, and so St. Patrick had to come up with, with an excuse for not getting rid of the clegs. Mm. And his excuse, and I'm like, hats off to the man. He said, listen, I would get rid of the clegs as well. However, the devil was cutting about here. He was causing a lot of trouble. And a cleg bit my arse and he ran away. So I cannot get rid of the clegs. So that is why you have clegs, horseflies in Ireland, but you don't have snakes. So at the time, folk were just like, snakes? Unimpressed. Yeah. It's the clegs that bother us. Oh, anyway, so I the guess. point is, St. Patrick did get rid of the snakes. It's absolutely true. It's all true. The phoenix are true. Fairies are true. Tiernan Oak is absolutely true. I'm speaking from experience. High Brazel, we know it's true as well. So just, I'm just putting that out there. I'm going to park my cynicism because we are a mythology podcast. Yeah. Which sometimes I forget. Yeah. So anyway, I went off. I'm going to come back. The point is, we cannot deny the impact that Gronje Whale and historical mythic figures like her have had on the culture here and abroad. 
definitely. And everything from pirate-inspired festivals to Broadway musicals and suites of music have all been inspired by our pirate queen. Those guys love her. (laughs) (laughs) Big fans. Uh, Yeah, so even if artistic license is used sometimes, this is beautiful. This is actually so funny. (laughs) (laughs) This is when we would go for a tea break. (laughs) (laughs) It's gone, you whale! She's come back, bringing a snake. Yeah. And oh, she's one of the, you know, the Viking splash boats they have in Dublin that's like a car and a boat. Oh, she's coming up there now. Class, I didn't hope to get a taxi She'll have the plastic hat on, <laughs> only she will have a woolly vest because she's, it's a bit cold yeah, out there. Yeah, Fantastic, okay. Um, so, as we speak about, um, I don't know what the hell we're speaking about. Whoa, great. <laughs> so, okay, as we speak about, in season three, episode three of the season, <laughs> We're going to talk about um, how the pirate mythos was invented by one guy, and he did take some artistic license. He did. Like so much of history, pirate history has been written and rewritten constantly, and I would say that it's really only in the last 20, 30 years or so that things like technology and metadata can be used to make things indisputable. Or can they? Because we have AI, it's all starting to flip around the other way now, so we're getting new myths. In like yeah. 2012, it was like peak, Yeah, I feel, because AI was not good enough to fake things and yeah, yeah so, so anyway. So um, now, I think just, yeah, just lie. Just lie. If you don't know the truth, just lie, it's yeah. fine. Lie with a lot of caravan of cars and trucks behind you and it'll definitely make you sound if you're loud enough, I feel like anyone will believe you. This is coming back to the thing of um, getting out of the building if it's burning and whoever screams the loudest, whoever shouts the loudest, whoever lies the loudest, you probably won't be questioned. And on that happy note... Thank you all so much for coming. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And um, This took a turn. It took a turn. And there was a lot of turns there, but this is what happens. If you want to know about pirates, and particularly woman pirates... Go now subscribe to the Celtic Tales Chronicles. So episode one, as we've said many times, of season two is now out on all platforms and we're going to be releasing new episodes on a weekly basis for the next six weeks. We're so organised. And the Celtic Tales live shows with Rab storytelling and me sitting quietly, which is great, (laughs) uh, will be back in the Crane Bar on Sea Road from the 22nd of February. So very early start this year. Yeah, so I think that's us finished. So I think what we're going to do now is questions, responses, trumpets, go for it. Any questions? I'm going to change my glasses. That's the most important part. Okay. Kesht. Any questions? (laughs) What are you doing later? (laughs) Have you? Yes. Maybe it was a slip of the tongue, but I wasn't sure it, it kept coming back to me. You said Grenya Wales husbands, plural. Yes. Does she have multiple husbands? You, you are now going to go and listen to episode one. <laughs> You're going to be husbands, practice husbands, try out husbands, yeah. other folks husbands. Yeah, she had a lot of husbands. Yeah. She, she was capital A at it. Yeah. We had to point out in the episode one, there's a lot of 
uh, hugging. Vigorous hugging. Vigorous <laughs> hugging was on. Yeah. Yeah. At night. Yeah. Horizontally. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, Grania was was a very what's the word? I say this as if I knew her. Um, a very. She was well romanced. She was well romanced. She had she had riz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Husbands plural. Good for her, honestly. Yeah. So true. Any questions from husbands out there? <laughs> or, or, or want to be husbands of? <laughs> we, could, we could do a matchmaking thing now, couldn't we? A match? Oh my god, this always happens. Whenever we're recording, I've said this before, we will come up with like 15 new ideas in the middle of recording. Be like, we need to do a series on this. We need to do that. And a matchmaking service is a new one, I will say. <laughs> That's an idea that has not been posed before. Much to think about. We can do it. Watch this space. We can do it. It will happen. All right. Any other questions? They're all just dying to go home and listen to episode one. Like, that's what it is. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Do you have any questions? Do I? Do you have any questions of them? For the audience? Yeah. How did you hear about it? Because I know, I know some people in the room heard about it from me directly, but how did everyone else hear about it? Him directly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. right. So, okay. What can I say? We do our own marketing. Clearly, we're good at it. So, okay. But yeah, I, I think that's, that's it. Thank you all so much for coming, for listening to us ramble. And you know what? The minute we stop, the cars go yeah. away. Yeah. It's not Is, cars, it's tractors actually. Was yeah. it tractors? Yeah. The French are coming in. Ah! <laughs> ah people are. French, fantastic, okay. I can't get away from tractors. You grow up in Donegal and you're like tractors everywhere. You move to Galway and here we are. Oh my God, it's like they're falling. Yeah. Yeah. The snakes out. That's all the snakes leaving, yeah. As long as they're not chasing after uh, Clegs and the tractors trying to get them. Because Donegal and the Midges as well in Donegal. Oh my God. I'm surprised this isn't actually alive up there. Oh, when I was a child, I remember being outside and a good, like, that much, that length of my leg was, like, just eaten with midges. It was just, like, open skin. But and I was like, oh, no, because I was, like, four. But <laughs> because we're being very positive about yeah. um, Bridget and all and, and, and women that stories and her story and all that, here's a thing you might not know. Midges, see the ones that are biting you? Yeah. That's actually the lady midges because they need the blood to build up their energy so they can go and cuddle gentlemen midges <laughs> and have babies. Wow. So when you are being eaten alive by midges, take a breath and go, this is beautiful. <laughs> I'm helping a lady midget get ready for a shag. That's what you're doing. Love it. So that is, on that, I think that is. I think that's it. I think, I think we're we'll going to stop now. there, guys. We'll keep going. <laughs> There you go. Thank you all so Thank much. Thank you so all very much. Thank you for coming. And um, we will post this up on Thursday next week. So we've got the we've got Gronya today. We've got this, which is the launch of the pirate ship. That'll be on Thursday next week, and then the week after that it'll be Anne and Bonnie. Bonnie, and then there'll be other ones coming up after that. Following three weeks. Yeah. Set your alarms. <laughs> Sorry. Any other pirates? Oh, there might be a special happening. We don't know yet. We'll, 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 we'll keep you posted.
there's certainly some boats involved. That's all I'll say. There will be more boats and more water-themed things. That's all we're going to yeah. say. Yeah, there will be water. There will be water. Yeah. Very good. There you go. And now we put this off now. So... The Celtic Tales Chronicles is written, hosted and produced by Kerry Graham and Rob Fulton. Edited by Rob Fulton. Cover artwork by Kerry Graham. Music by Kevin McLeod.